Hey, you are listening to The Back Porch. I'm your host, Kylie Joe, and I love hearing people's passions, stories, and their purpose in a real and authentic way. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready. Well, welcome back to The Back Porch, Dar. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. I'm, yeah. I'm getting used to this whole podcast thing now. I'm more experienced this time around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is, if you have not heard me and Darwin sharing our story on the podcast, um, it's one in one of the beginning episodes, we shared our love story. I'll say probably the best episode in my opinion. (laughs) Of course you would. Um, it's pretty sweet. So if you want to listen to that too, after you hear Darwin's, um, Darwin's story today. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about you. Awesome. Before I met you. Okay. And talk about your, yeah, upbringing and the different, the cultural differences of coming here and all the things that come along with it. All right. Let's go for it. Okay. It'll be fun. So, okay. Let's begin with, tell us where you're from. Okay. So I'm from Uruguay, small country in South America. Uh, the smallest one down there, actually. Stuck in between Brazil and Argentina. It's the smallest one down there? It is the smallest wow. one. Smallest country. We have the Guyanas and the other Yeah, but smaller country. But the one biggest, you know, like established country is one of the it is the smallest one. Wow. Actually. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, we're not very popular as compared to our neighbors. <laughs> Brazil and Argentina are pretty huge and everybody knows about them, but then there's that little dot in the map and that's that's where I was born and raised and proud to be from there. Yeah. So some interesting facts about Uruguay that people always seem to find like silly you guys have like what three cows to one person it's four cows four cows and three sheep per person too and the thing that i like when you explain this to people is like your the city of montevideo Mm -hmm. montevideo however you say it is like one and a half million people yeah and the other one and a half million people are in like farmland yeah demographically is it's a pretty weird country the way way it's set up it's one city yeah, so we have the huge capital. 1.5 million people live in 10% of the land. Right, that's and crazy. And then you have, like, towns the size of, you know, Mankato, the town that we live right now with 50,000 people. And then, you know, those little towns spread around the country. So yeah, everything happens through the capital. So, the, you know, if you need something big, you need to come to the city and right things like that. But, yeah, it's dem- demographically, it's kind of weird how it we're set up as compared to like the United States or other countries, which is there's several major cities. There's yeah. only one. That's all right. That's yeah. where I was born. And you are from like 30 minutes from the city. Yeah. So I'm like, like the main city right on the border. I actually went to finish high school outside of the city per se of the next, we have departments as opposed to states. Yeah. So we call departments, just a smaller Little suburbs, 19 departments instead of 50 states. Okay. But yeah, Uruguay is the size of Washington State, so when put it in perspective, yeah, put it in perspective, it was pretty small. Geez, Washington's packed too. That's crazy. I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. So a couple other facts that some people like always ask me or mm-hmm. ask you are okay. So you're a democratic country. We are a democracy. Democracy, yeah. However you want to say that. Democratic so, republic. Democratic. So you have a president. I do. Okay. Um, we have computers. You have computers. We have internet. We have running water. <laughs> there is horse and buggy. Horse and buggy, though. They are. Yeah. But we they, have that here exist. too. So yeah. I mean, yeah. and we're pretty modern. Yeah, I mean, so I've been down there twice. 
I went down there and when Seppi was about one years old and then I went down this last summer and, you know, every time we go down, I get a little more used to it. But, um, yeah, the first time I went down there, it was like, it's poor. Like it's mm-hmm. not, nobody's like, there are homeless people like anywhere else in the world, but it's, it wasn't like, like a culture shock to me, except like trash everywhere. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest thing for me. And I think you said the same thing this last time was like the trash bothered you this time. You yeah. grew up with it. You're well, used to it. There are things that you notice more after yeah. you lived somewhere different. For that, sure. You know, it's just the way it is, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, all the houses, of course, are concrete with a tin roof. Yeah. Like, think of if you ever, if anybody's ever been on a mission trip to Mexico, you know, mm. most Americans that grew up in a church have been to a mission trip somewhere with, That's right. like, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest, with, like, you know, those type of houses. And, um, okay, so... Talked about the country, so everybody you set the scene. Mm-hmm. So how, what kind of house? Like we talked about the concrete house, but like how big was your house if you like compared it to something? Okay, so Uruguay has a huge middle class. I would say middle to like lower class, like the blue collar, hardworking. Okay, know. and let's what stop one second. Let's compare wages. Well, you have to compare wages with the cost of living, so it's always tricky to compare. But okay. obviously, obviously, you have a lot lest um there's a i'm blanking in the english term your spending power okay is that, is that right yeah that makes sense your spending power is a lot smaller or weaker in your west compared to the united states so okay. you know an average salary is about you know minimum wage is about 300 a month working 40 hours a week jeez um but, but yeah, you know it, it. It costs less to you know rent the house or get around transportation, whatever the case may be. But it is more expensive, and in, in the big scheme of things, like we make a lot more money here, right. doing the same kind of work, and our money goes a lot farther. For here, sure, as opposed to there. Well, yeah, I mean, even like sorry, side note, this happens all the time for on the podcast, but like even going grocery shopping down there to us. It's dirt cheap because mm. it's like what three and a half to one ratio. Is it thirty five pesos? Thirty five to one. Thirty five to one. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, so that's each, what I mean by each three. Each dollar is thirty five yeah. euro one in pesos. Yeah. Yeah. So when we went grocery shopping, your mom would like be like, "Oh my gosh, that's so much money! Yeah. Like, why would you guys want to go to the bakery every day?" And mm. you and I are like, "Because it's really good, and we have the cash to yeah. spend." <laughs> like, that, yeah. It's just it's the concept though. Yeah, even sure. like the thing about um, even the thing about like Ubering. This mm-hmm. last time we went down, we Ubered everywhere, and it yeah. was like three dollars to get from your house to the city, which is like a twelve-minute ride. Like yeah. it's fifteen minutes. Maybe. I mean, always if you if you think about if I could if we could work here in the United States and then yeah, get our salaries and live there, you'd we'll be loaded. Be, we'll be yeah, in, in yeah, the upper class for like sure. If you take our like our normal, and we're not rich by any means. If you're listening out there, they're right. not. We're, we don't have a million dollars, but. If we had our normal middle class salaries here, they'll go way a further. Long way. Like we'll we'll probably if we combine our salaries, we make as much as a you know center will make. Wow, that's crazy. You know. Yeah, which we don't make that much. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Just cool. to put it into perspective. So okay, so that's like the cost of living. Yeah. Okay, so then go back to how you how you lived when you were younger, kind of like how that almost like how the housing situation works because. I didn't know that you could build on land. Like, how do I yeah, say this? Usually, like a family's plot, you can have like four houses on it, mm-hmm. which doesn't exist here. 
Yeah, so land is hard to come by. It's mm -hmm. hard to acquire. It's expensive. Uh, most people build their own houses, and they usually get land from a relative. So okay. you know, if you get married, you're most likely going to end up in your... If your parents have enough land, then you're going to build in the same property. Yeah. There are some people that are, you know, work really hard and save for a lot of years and are able to buy their land and then buy the materials and buy their house and like build their houses. Right. It takes them a long time. It's it's expensive. It's a long yeah. journey. Like, you know, it's not normal for a 25, 24 year old to go ahead and get, get a house. Yeah. You know, if, unless there's a relative or a grandparent that died that they, you know, kind of somehow somewhat inherited some land or yeah. a house that nobody lives there. Uh, that's usually how it goes in terms of, uh, for me in my example, I think the land that where my parents live right now and where, the house where I grew up, that land was my granddad, my mom's dad, so my okay. granddad on my mom's side that I never got to meet. Uh, he, he passed away before I was born. Okay. So my mom got that land that's supposed to be, you know, split in between the three siblings. And so my mom got the property yeah the land and then they build uh, kind of like a shack like house. i kind of compared it to like an ice house like an eight by eight yeah like not, it's tiny we were very little and yeah they were early earlier on in their marriage my my dad was married for a second time with my mom he had four kids by the time he was 25 mm -hmm. and then he remarried 12 <laughs> years later you know and had and, you guys and we were born before my parents got married but got together with my mom about six seven years after he got divorced and then they had me and my brother and then five years later they got married or six yeah. years later got 1993 so they did what they could to put a roof over our heads and they built something yeah. that wasn't very you know that wasn't super nice but that was good my grand my grandma used to live with me and mm -hmm. my parents too she lived for a short time and then she died when i was very little seven or eight years old and there was other cousins in the house too, so it was a very small house. There's several people there, and oh they did gosh. what they could. To... I mean, like you walk in. I'm gonna post a video of it because I have a video of it. Okay. But yeah, like, you kind of have to illustrate it. It's, I kind of have to illustrate it. Rough. Like you walk in, and you literally like walk into a bed. Mm -hmm. There's like two beds, a little tiny like area to have like maybe a nightstand in between the two mm -hmm. twin beds. Yeah. Like you and your brother. Yeah. Your brother was little, little, little. Yeah, it was one big room. There's a. Kitchen, dining room, living room. The all kitchen was outside. Together, on the other end. Oh, on the other end. Yeah, yeah you're right. But yeah, so it was like one big. It's one room, and you can't, even, you can't even say it's big. It was literally like, like eight foot by eight foot. Like yeah. it was tiny. I remember the first time I saw it, I choked up because I was like, "You had never told me you grew up in that." Well, for me, it was normal. It wasn't a big deal, right? For me to know. You didn't think twice about telling me. That makes sense. But, but the, like when I got there the first time, it was like, "You what?" Like, I know it was only eight years of your life, but that's, like, yeah, enough to remember, mm -hmm. you know. And then um, then you guys kind of built on a garage. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, they built on a garage for the first beat-up car that my dad got. <laughs> and, and a few years later, they started building, like, the house that they live in now. That is right, a little, which is where I've been. It's a little Three-bedroom. like a three-bedroom, three not the highest quality house, but it's an okay house. It's an average quality house for yep. what you were kitchen dining three beds and a yeah. huge bathroom they just added yeah, on like the last five years 
Yeah, for your whole life, you oh, had to sure. go outside like to a yeah. different bathroom that you grew up with, yep. which is so you normal to you, but running out in the cold. Like... Well, yeah, on the on the smaller house, the first house they built, the the bathroom, bathroom was really small, and it was outside, but it was right out the door, so you, there just wasn't a door that connected to the bathroom. So oh, okay. you just walk outside, go around, and you were yeah. right there. Then we built a couple, I don't know, what do you say, 50 feet away from the house? Yeah, you not even. But it's a 50 feet walk that you have to go to the bathroom yeah. to get a shower <laughs> in the wintertime. I don't then, think I've ever even seen that bathroom outside. Yeah, it's the little one. I don't. Yeah, you've seen it. It doesn't look like a bathroom anymore. No, probably not, because now they've got trash I'll and stuff. I'll point it out yeah. to you next time. Later. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so that's how, like, painting the picture, that's how you were brought up. So, yeah, and they, they yeah. build in your house, and I lived there from since I was seven, eight years old until... 23 when i moved to us to go to to go to school yeah and so it's it's cool i'll post some pictures because now they've got like a front little porch type yeah, thing no, that's screened in too. and darwin's like man if i grew up in this it's a totally yeah, different story so <laughs> yeah. second living space basically to hang got out the in. kids out of the house and they got a little extra money to build some i mean it's how we all live right okay so that's how you grew up yep. and so but you grew up in a non-christian home correct your parents your mom, I'll share this quick story. From what I heard mm-hmm. is because of her younger sister passing, she yeah. was the only one that was a Catholic. Yeah. She and was so, baptized by the So your mom kind of saw church. that as like, why would she die if she's the only one that believes in, in God? And yeah. so now, I mean, your mom has come here a couple of times and been witnessed to, but mm-hmm. nothing really has come out of it yet. So yeah, if her, you're listening, pray for Darwin's parents. Yeah. They still don't believe in God. And uh, <laughs> in her mind, yeah, she, it's, she simply, you know, got this idea that, Know, the only one member of yeah. her family that was, she was given to God, you know, she mm-hmm. was baptized, given to the church and to God as a young age. And she was the one that got taken away. So yeah. logically for her, it's like, if there is a God, that doesn't make sense that, yeah. you know, or, or why, why would she die so young? Yeah. And then the whole thing now, like, even if she gets past that, is like, well, if I don't see, I won't believe kind of, mm-hmm. which is kind of what's silly argument or a silly premise to go about life um yeah so that makes sense that i mean to her that's just all she knows yeah so we've just been praying for them for you've been praying them for them for years okay so how did you become a believer okay so i'm gonna give a shout out to my neighbors daniel yeah he knows english so he'll be able to at least listen yeah. to this hopefully he's like my one friend when i come down there that's, so a, that's a lie my, my, my neighbors next door play a huge role in my conversion or yeah. like coming to the lord i grew up with you know a cl- close family literally one fence away and i spent like 80 percent of my childhood over there playing and hanging out with my friend daniel her sister shimina and then waldemar margarita the parents and when i was young i spent a lot of time with them and finally one time they invited me to go to this I don't know how to compare it to, but like a kid's event at okay. church how old that happens. You? I was seven, seven, eight. Oh, that was your first time. That's the first time I went to church and I, I didn't become a Christian then. Yeah. But it was the first time that they took me to church. Maybe I was a little older, seven, eight, nine. And your parents somewhere were Somewhere in there. And then, yeah, they asked my parents for permission to be taking. It was a fun thing with it's you like know, carnival candy. type yeah, thing. Yeah. Candy games, play some soccer, whatever. Sure. That's what everybody does. And there was a little message there. That right. was the first time I, I was exposed to Christianity. I didn't know what the Bible was, what Jesus was. Which is bizarre to us yeah, nowadays. Never, it's like never knew. And I was most young. Of, most yeah. people in our world, like in our in our like culture in America, know at least who God is. So it's yeah. crazy. Like, yeah. 
to hear for real that you really had never heard of him? No, never heard of it. I went and the only thing I remember from going there, and I, I think I went like it was every Thursday afternoon. It was during yeah. the summertime. So our summer goes from December, January, February. So it was those three months. I might have gone three or four times. And in one of those times, I remember praying the prayer to accept Jesus into mm-hmm. your heart. And the only reason I did is uh, eight-year-old Darwin, like you know, what an eight-year-old can do, yeah. not much. But I was told you're going to have a second birthday. That's all I remember, <laughs> which is true, you know, from a, from a Christian perspective, uh, Christian beliefs, it's true. Like you, you get a second birthday, but right, was, I know it was used met- metaphorically. Yeah, but you I, weren't. <laughs> I took it literally like this. I'm gonna get another birthday. What? So I went it. for it. Yeah, prayed the prayer, and and th- there's two things I remember from that. I remember that, and then I remember the lady that I still know and know until today. Oh, that's cool. She, but who? That's who I met. I'm yeah, sure I met her. Yeah, yeah, I met her at church one time, and she said, "Also, now you're gonna have somebody." looking over you the rest of your life that he will know everything you can't hide from him oh, he will man. know when you're when you're doing good things or you're doing bad things he knows so when cool. you're lying he knows when you're i'm like that is kind of cool but it's also crazy like yeah now i can't so those are the two things i remember then i went back to you know going I, non-christian family so I, I didn't keep going to church right so yeah so that was my first encounter and then at 14 years old or 13, 14 years old, 2001, so it would have been 14. Yeah. 2001, I got invited to go to youth group, again, by the same family. And I stayed connected to them, even though well, I wasn't. Neighbors. Yeah, neighbors. I was playing with them. All, I grew yeah. up. They were like my Daniel's like your best friend. friend. Yeah. Yeah. Very good friend. <clears throat> so I stayed connected to them. And when I was 14, they invited me to go to youth group. So I went to youth group. And that's when kind of I developed my own faith, okay. per se. Yeah. And. I had the chance to share this last time when I went to Uruguay, but all I was yeah. looking for was I just wanted to belong somewhere. I just mm. wanted to be part of something that was just greater than me. And Isn't that every 14 for a, for a long time, sports was was it for me. I right. played soccer when I was seven or eight years old. I played organized competitive soccer leagues and different things like that, but it still wasn't kind of – it was all based on performance, so – as right. long as you're good, you can belong. If you're not good anymore, then we'll kick you out kind of thing. Yeah. Soccer in Uruguay is highly competitive, so they're always making cuts even at a younger age. Like, wow. you know, 12, 13 years old, if you're not, if you're not good enough, you're not going to play for any good teams. Right. That's, which is kind of yeah. weird. Here's more about let's all play. You know, all Everybody's a winner. Everybody's a winner. Yeah. Participation trophy. <laughs> and that's not how it works there. And so, yeah, 14 years old, I started going to church. I started going to youth group, mm. and I started getting involved with drama and theater group that was within the youth group and that right. was my hook and from there i started growing in the faith i went to different christian camps and things mm. like that and that's when i decided to hey this is you know i believe in god i always believed since that since i was seven years old i knew there was a, a god right so i prayed that one prayer that i didn't know what it meant back then right um but i i well, looking back over time that's when I when it all began, like seven God years old, planted yeah. a seed, which is kind of cool to think about that. When you talk to people, even I mean, young younger kids, yeah, the things that they will remember, yeah, you know, even at seven, at or seven, eight. Years I was old. six when I accepted Jesus in my heart, and I didn't yeah. know, I didn't, you know. Sometimes we try to mm-hmm. like, are they getting understanding the message or whatever? I didn't understand the whole message, mm-hmm. but I knew there was a God, and that's all I needed to know from my seven year old brain. Sure, at that at that 
at that time. And then later. So really yeah, got, committed your life. Yeah, committed my life to Christ when I was 14. Got baptized in 2003. And wow. I said, yeah, this is this is my life. And, and that's when there. you quit soccer. Yeah. So the backstory, 14, 15 years old, kind of like the age where you either go serious about soccer in Uruguay or well, it's, it's based on your talent and your ability to yeah. perform. So I was playing for this academy club, and it was pretty okay. It wasn't the greatest, but it was a pretty good one. And that's kind of when I had to decide because I couldn't do both. I got really involved with church, started learning how to play guitar and do yeah. theater and drama. I was super involved with the youth and everything that I could do because I, you know, I found a place that I could belong and be part right. of. So I just yeah. jumped into every opportunity I had. Uh, and I was passionate about it. I was on fire for the Lord. And let's go. Let's do it. Right. But I had soccer in the background. So I had to kind of decide. And at that time, looking back, it was kind of a tough decision. I had to say, I had to let go. And I, I one of the two, like, what do you want to pursue? And I knew for a fact that, you know, soccer, I could break a leg and then they'll forget about me. Yeah. My faith. And I knew that, you know, people at church and, the Christians that I had around at the time, they weren't going to let me go. Like, right. I knew I had so cool. purpose and direction for the rest of my life. So I decided just to quit soccer. I quit soccer at 14, playing organized sports. My parents weren't super extremely happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of like, ah, is this the right decision? Yes or no? I Later on, I came to realize it's definitely the right decision at the time. For but sure. it was tough. So, yeah. So I had to decide between the two, and I decided to pursue ministry. And, yeah. And from there, you got to go to Germany on a, like with teens. So it's called Teen Street, which is like a big conference, right? So you got, you've met, we can shout out to Dan and Susie Potter. They listen. Yeah. They're big mentors to you. You met them at like a camp in Uruguay. Yeah. So then the next chapter is <laughs> um, like being allowed to dream. Yeah, so yeah. we're 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 born in a culture in Europe where it's it's tough to dream, to dream big. And you're and, a big dreamer. <laughs> and I was, yeah. And my yeah. favorite story in the Bible is Joseph. And, yeah, you know, for sure. And when he comes over to his brothers and shares all his dreams, and they're like, "Get out of our face! That's never gonna happen." Yeah. You know, I always tell the story about <laughs> yeah. my friend. I'm not gonna say his name because I don't want to burn him in here. But I had a friend in kindergarten, first you're grade, so little. <laughs> and I said, I always, you know, watch all his movies or. American you know, Disney movies. or yeah. Mickey Mouse or whatever. And, and, you know, Disney World or Disneyland is like, oh, my gosh. It's like another universe for us. <laughs> and I always said, I'm going to go there someday. And and I had lots of – and one particular friend uh, in kindergarten always said, no, you're never going to go there. Shut up. It's impossible. <laughs> just shut your mouth. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So just like that, that's kind of our culture in general, right? So dreaming right. was uh, – and I had always had this passion for traveling and yeah. going places. I always wanted to go to like Argentina and Brazil was like the biggest thing. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go to another country and I'm going to say I'm from Uruguay and that's so cool that you know, yeah. you can get to go to places. So that was always in my heart. And then when I started going to church, our church had a huge connection with uh, lots of different missions organizations. Mm -hmm. So we had lots and it didn't happen for very long. It happened for like the first two, three years that I started going to church. We had missionary groups coming like three, four times a year. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, a group of Canadians that came. We had a group from people from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we had Teen Street. That was a conference for international. Yeah. It's, it's an international conference for teenagers. 
that was led by this married couple named Dan and Susie Potter. Uh, they're like the creative directors for OM at the time, Operation Mobilization. So they did a lot of, you know, public speaking and big conferences. And I, I got exposed to like English speakers and yeah. kind of this world, like the, what, I don't know, Western world per se. I don't know. Right. How. And, and curiosity started to build up like, this is kind of cool. Like, I don't know. I really like these people. They were different. You know, they spoke a different language. And yeah, I got kind of <laughs> curious about it. I didn't like, you know, people translating for me. So I took it upon myself to learn English. And that's yeah. kind of how I did it. So Just crazy. based on these people coming back. And I knew they were coming back. So I wanted to, you know, be ready to ask them a few more questions. And I started with like two, three questions. And then yeah. got better and better and better. And then in 2004... After, you know, have gone to Teen Street one time, this the conference that I mentioned before. Uh, it was given me the the opportunity was given to me to go to Germany. Yeah. So what happens is Teen Street is an international conference that happens takes place around the world, different, and the main one happens in Germany. Mm -hmm. It's still it's still going on up until today. I think it started nineteen ninety four, so they're going on what I don't know how many years now. I can't think of it. 26 years yeah um anyway so i got invited through dan and Susie potter to go to germany and participate in the which drama team which is insane crazy. this is a for conference you. for like four thousand people you're you know, 17 performing i was 17 years old and you know i embarked in the whole adventure to raising the money uh, mm -hmm. i was able to raise the money and raise the support to be able to go so and cool. that kind of started this path towards you know and at the time, I was pursuing like a missions call. I, yeah. That's what I called it at the time. I, looking back, I don't think I, I I was never called into missions. Yeah. I just had this desire to travel the world and God right. and his mercy and had in his plans that I will end up traveling a little bit. So yeah. I was able to go to travel different places. Like I went to Germany first and I went to uh, Marlette, Michigan in mm -hmm. 2005 for a futures future youth workers training so cool. dan and Susie, the same couple who host this training for youth workers around the world so i yeah. was able to spend two months there first time ever in the united states first time ever in the united states like learning about That's how so cool. how to you know do public speaking bring the gospel in creative ways to different groups of people mm -hmm. it was an absolutely life-changing experience of course and and that kind of brings me back to Teen Street in 2006, where Dan and Susie, Dan and Susie always will come to Uruguay and right. lead the conference. And in 2006, I was part of the program team. So I was helping them up on stage. I will share some tes testimonies, stories based on the training that I got. So yeah. they felt like, okay, you know, we have people that have been trained. They can help us out. And they always like to bring some locals to kind of help out. So I was up there on the stage. I had the opportunity to speak to a lot of teenagers and share some of my stories, my experiences, and carry out the curriculum that we have yeah. for the week. And during that year, 2006, there comes another, um, I don't know, how can we call it, like a relevant person in my life that made a huge impact. So Dan and Susie were probably the first ones. Yeah. Because it was through them going to Teen Street when I really committed my life to the Lord. Right. The whole premise of everything that they do in ministry is loving God and loving others mm -hmm. right and reflecting Jesus into your world that's their main their theme thing. and goal yeah. and what they continue to do they've done for 
30 plus years in their ministry. So 2006, I met, I come in contact with another person that is, you know, like I call, a missionary from Yeah, I California. call him, you know, I always, when I share my story and every time I talk to him and I, hopefully he listens to him, his name is Sidney Newcomb. And I call him, he's like an angel, you know, in my life. Yeah. He was an angel sent from God for such a time as that, that yeah. time that I was. So he came to check up on one of the missionaries from their church that was struggling. She was doing some missions work in Uruguay and things were not going well. Got six months, she was three months in and she, she wanted to go back home to California. That's what the church is at. He came during Teen Street Week. Of course. So he was... <laughs> Also doing some speaking about sports ministry because that's what he was responsible for. He was the missions pastor at Peninsula Covenant Church in California. And he was also the tennis director at the club that was owned by the church. Long story. And long story short, I meet this guy. I never met him in my whole life. And he notices me from, you know, being up on stage. Wait, but by the way, you haven't said this yet. You were translating now. Yeah, I was. You learned English within like two years. It was a little more than that, but. But you were. You were translating. Yeah, three years. You about. figured it out pretty quick. So when you say you were up on stage, yeah, he saw you translating. Yeah, so I was to English. I was doing some some speaking, some yep. public speaking, and I was also interpreting too. Yeah, which is so crazy. I yeah, a lot of different hats on the camp. So I was yeah. able to be, I guess, noticed. Right. And I didn't know that he was looking or he was yeah trying to get some people for so this church has a huge internship that kyla was part of in 2010 but this this 2006 and sid goes where i always remember this as it was yesterday i was never met the guy never even talked to him i knew he was there he was doing his thing i was doing my thing at the camp there's like 500 people at the camp and there's this one night that i'm in line to go get dinner yeah Uh, and all of a sudden, Sydney comes from behind and taps on my shoulder, and he just says, how hard would it be for you to get a work visa for the United States, to come to the United States for a summer? And I'm like, and I, I, I was familiar with how visas work. It's like, it's kind of hardly impossible. It's pretty hard. But I'll look into it. And then he goes on to tell me, well, we have this program. We should mm-hmm. bring a couple international students every year. It's, you know, it's a you have the opportunity to serve in the church. And then we have this huge like community center kind of yeah. club that serves the community. Uh, I know that you're good at sports and I've seen you on stage and I think you have the gifts and abilities mm. that would be a good fit for the program. Uh, here's my number. You should apply for it. And I think it would be a good fit. And I'm like, Oh, I, I would love to go, but you know, I don't have the resources to pay for a trip like that. No, no, no. The way they will work is, you know, you will come, and we'll pay for your plane ticket. We'll get your host family. And this is we can't really pay you. Then we'll right. just cover your expenses. And then you will just be a volunteer for the summer. And you're like, and yes. Then, <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. So I went through the whole application process. I interviewed with three different pastors from the church. And so cool. I was hired, per se. Yeah. Uh, and that was the beginning of my relationship with the church in California. That was my first, second time in the United States. But first, like, kind of coming here for, you know, I was here for a whole summer. I learned how to play tennis with them. And yeah, I learned how to play you were coach coaching tennis. tennis. <laughs> I've always liked tennis, but I never had the chance to coach yeah. or play in a real tennis court. I was watching on TV and I was a big fan of the sport, but I never got the chance. So I was another kind of one of those That's things so that cool. God gave me the opportunity to do. I was, I was like the sport, but I never thought I was. It. Yeah. So long story short, I did that internship for four years. 
Uh, for like every summer. 2006 yep. through 2010. I learned how to play tennis. I got my some small coaching certifications and been in love with the sport. And also they would do ministry. I worked with the yep. middle school ministry for years. And yeah, so I did that for four years and it was awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's where I met you, 2010. 2010, that's so, what I met. And then after that summer, you went home. So real quick, you didn't say this. You said every summer, but like you were going home for nine months to Uruguay and coming yeah. back every summer and going home and coming back. So my first trip to California was in 2006. I was 19 years old. Yeah. And I kept doing that for – so the way I would do it is because they every year that I left, the, the church made it clear to me that they would like to have me back the next summer. Yeah. Because they always bring people from previous summers to kind of help out. Like lead. Yeah. Or lead or help out with the internship and help out with the tennis part. Sid and I developed a really good relationship. So he was always like, we love having you here. You're you're great with the kids. Great for the program. Yeah. It works out for you to come and we we'll want you here. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. But then it came to a point where like, hey, Darwin, you know. And Sid and, and said this to you. Sid and other leaders from the church. Yeah. Uh, we're like, we love having you here. Don't get us don't don't get us wrong here. We don't want to, you know. Yeah, but you're but, 23 years old. But you're 23 years old. <laughs> um, what what do you hope? What what are your expectations for the future? Like what what are your plans long term? And I'm like, I don't have any plans long term. <laughs> this but, is my plan. This is my plan. <laughs> I can do this until I'm 48. I'll be happy because I will go get an odd job. In the nine months. For nine months, a job that I knew I was gonna I knew I was gonna quit. Right. Came June, right? And I was out the door. But they kind of put that presented me with that question. So I went, Well, I don't know. I don't don't know what options there are out there. And they were like, Well, how about this? How about we have you ever considered going to college? You're like, Oh, we don't go to college. Like you weren't even graduated yet from high school yet, were you? Well, I, by that point, I had like a class or two left. That's what I mean. Is like okay, so it's yeah. different here. Yeah. Like you so, were done with high school, but you needed to like get. Your I didn't degree, have my diploma. Your, your diploma. Yet. I, yeah. I'll have to go back and get take two more classes and get my like GED or right, right, diploma. Right. So anyway, so I were like, so how about this? So they gave me this proposal to we'll help you get into school, and this kind of came mostly from from sydney yeah like the church gave me some support but he was the one like driving the whole yeah idea how about we try to get you into a small community college and at that time i didn't know what a community college was so they explained right. to me it's as like a less yeah. expensive college it's a two-year degree you can do our the ministry that you're doing year around and you know at the end of two years you can be committed here for two years with with our right. ministry here get your associate's degree and then you have some options going back to your what? Yeah. Sure. Sounds like a free good place plan. to live. You've yeah. They will help. Community they help. will help me get yep. into a host family. So shout out to Candy and David. Pina. Pina. That's, they who, were my, that's who hosted you. That was, they were my host family. So every year, every year. So they were, they, they committed to have me my first summer, 2006. That yeah. was their only time that they were like, okay, we're committed to have this guy from you where he can live at our house. He can eat our food that's awesome. for one summer. They ended up doing that for four summers and then an, one a year and a half that I lived there right. with them. That's so, so cool. If you're listening, if you're get to listen to this, thank you, thank you, thank you again. Mm-hmm. They were also another she pair. Came of, to our wedding. Yeah, they've another, been. They are, you know, like your parents, parents here, California yeah. parents for sure. If I, I don't, I haven't seen them in a long time since my wedding, but yeah, they did a, a lot for me. 
So they offer, out of the goodness of their heart, to host me every summer. And on top of that, once I decided to go to school and I got into a community college. And then what, so you went to, it's called Kenyatta College in Redwood City. Mm-hmm. And what did you do? Like, why did you leave a year and a half in? So the plan was go there for two years, mm-hmm. get an associate's degree, finish my ministry with the church, and then go back to Uruguay. Right. Because then my visa would have, my student visa would have expired. It's time to go. Kenyatta College, small community college in Redwood City, California, happened to have a soccer team. <laughs> All I was doing there was going to going to school. Which you haven't played. I am, yeah, since I like was. Like real soccer. Organized soccer. I, I kept since playing. Since you were 14. Rec- recreationally. So, yeah, that's nine years later that I haven't yeah. played any kind of organized soccer. Yeah. None, zero. Which is crazy. They have a soccer team. I figure I'm here. I'm going to this school. Right. It'll be fun to play. And honestly, that was all I had in mind at the time yeah. was just to play for fun. Because why not? There's just a team here. It's a nice feel. Let's play, right? Mm-hmm. I walked onto the team. I try out for the team. I make the team. <laughs> I happen to have a phenomenal season. Uh, pretty fun season. Well. I played I, I well. I got to come to some of those games. Yeah, Kyle and I were dating at that point, we too. We started at that. 2011. When you were, yeah. So it was like, yeah, about... We started dating midway through the season. Mm-hmm. That's when I started coming to your games and liking you. That's right. Thank you. Good times. Good times. <laughs> anyway, so I had a great season. Things went really well. And Sydney happened to contact his... His school, the school that he went to, John Brown University in Arkansas. Yeah. Said, I have this friend of mine. He's an international student. He played for our small community college here in town. Would you be interested in, you know, give him an opportunity to try out for the team? Yeah. Can we do that? So then I, I'm about to play this game. It's like second to last game of the season. We're like fighting for a chance to make get into the playoffs. And I'm warming up. And there goes Sydney on the sideline with a cell phone. Shaking it, I was like, "Man, come over here!" And I'm, I'm literally warming up. Like I might, I'm all yeah. dressed up. Ten minutes before game time, and he hands me the phone. I was like, "It's this is John. It's John. Uh, this John John Brown University soccer coach. He needs to talk to you." Wow. And I'm like, so but so you sent him a video of your like highlights that came after. Oh, after sorry. So okay. I have this conversation. I was yeah. like, "Oh, and so it was a recruiting call." So, hi, Darwin. You know, I've been talking to Sid for a couple of days. So he did all the, you know, yeah. Backward for you. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking to Sid for, would you be interested on, you know, joining our team, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what I need from you is I need you to put together a highlight reel. Of, you know, and I knew that we had some tape from our games. Yeah. So I put my highlight reel together, send it over to Arkansas. A month later, I get invited to go travel. So I pay for my expenses to kind of go. Yeah. I go travel for the team and then I get a, Pretty much, not a full ride, but a 90% yeah. soccer scholarship to finish my education. How crazy is that to think back when yeah. you were 14 years old and you quit because you wanted to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that gives me, like, chills. That's a, that's a good part of my story. Mm-hmm. And that I always remember how, at that time, I was able to sacrifice something for the Lord mm-hmm. and said, you know, this is mine. I'm going to choose you. And then he kind of redeemed that part of my life and gave me the opportunity to... Mm-hmm. No, here you go. I'm going to give you something that I know is dear to your heart, but he used it in a completely different way. Yeah. So I was able to go 
got a pretty much full ride scholarship to go to a four year university. And at that time, I'm dating my beautiful wife, wife that's now interviewing me for her podcast. How crazy is that? <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of how it all happened. And I ended up in a John Brown University, a Christian school. Mm-hmm. I got my bachelor's degree. In- Where, hold on, you also walked on to the tennis team. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to include that one. No, I just think it's crazy. Like, oh, sorry, I got quiet. I was crying. But it's like I never put that stuff together that, like, yeah, like you said, you sacrificed your sport for the Lord. Then he redeemed that. And then Sid brought you to the United States to play a sport that you've always wanted to play. Yeah. And you got to get really – you got pretty good at it. Uh And I'm just going through the synopsis here. And then you got to walk onto the team and get some kind of cheap, like small scholarship. It helped us a lot. Yeah. And you, oh, it wasn't small. Oh, this, this, the tennis Sorry, the tennis yeah. scholarship. Yeah. And now you're coaching tennis. <laughs> I just think it's crazy. Like, yeah. coaching high school varsity yeah. tennis. <laughs> yeah. God, won't he do it? Yeah, that's the God that we serve. It's the God crazy. That we love and the God that loves us. So it's pretty cool. Okay, so you you got we're in Arkansas. I moved down eventually. Yeah, got so married. I graduated. Yeah. Kylie moves down to me. And if you would like we'll to hear that part of the story. That part of the story is a full <laughs> podcast that you can listen to that kind of tells you what happens from this point on. But yeah, so as it relates to my particular story, yeah, soccer was obviously a huge part of my life and what defined me growing up that's what Mm -hmm. it was sports in general being able to travel that's something that i really wanted to do for Mm -hmm. a long time and god kind of orchestrated everything and you know that verse in the bible delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires Mm -hmm. of your heart it's been true to me and he he continues to do that like i since i was little i always loved to teach and that's what i do for a living right now i'm a teacher i get to teach every day i get to coach tennis and soccer he's you know used that those passions that were it's ingrained so cool. in me since I was a little boy. And, you know, at the time I had to push him aside push him aside, or give him all up. And he was able to mm-hmm. redeem that part of my story and put me where I am today. I'm grateful until the ends. That's so cool. And Strawberry on the Top of the Cake gave me a beautiful wife that I love <laughs> so much. That has an awesome podcast that you should listen to every week. <laughs> Two beautiful children that are awesome i always wanted to be a dad so mm-hmm. i mean I, there's not much i can complain about like no. it's been really good so Full of challenges and adversity none of this have come easy for no. me i had to go through a lot well, a lot of faith a lot of faith a lot of financial hardship and not knowing you know it's not looking back it's all man you know yeah. nice and giggles and i've i've come so far but it's been tough. There were times where I was at John Brown University. I wanted to quit or go back home. You almost I don't did. Want that. I, yeah, I tried a couple of times. I had people in my life that kind of steer me in the, wrong, the right direction. Right. And, yeah, it's not so, always been easy. But I've seen the fruits of persevering and following after what God mm-hmm. had for me. And he has been faithful. Mm-hmm. Continues to be. I don't know where the next step is. I don't know where we're going to go or where life right. has in the future. But... That's the adventure. What matters is to follow and go after him. So things will take care of themselves. What's God teaching you right now? To continue to trust him. And I think the biggest thing, biggest thing that I've learned with time 
and especially after sharing my different passions and desires that I had growing up, is that it doesn't really matter what you want to do with your life. Mm-hmm. It matters that whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it for him. Right. Yeah. So doesn't matter um, where you live. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't, doesn't matter, matter what, you do. what you're doing for work. What your yeah. profession is, what kind of ministry you're involved with. With that being said, of course, there's passion and the things that you're passionate sure. about, you're going to pursue. I'm totally okay with that. But, you know, and I'm still in the process. I haven't gotten there yet. I, I continue to do what I love to do as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I take my coaching opportunities and my opportunity to teach at a school. I work with, student with students with special needs, uh, with emotional behavioral disabilities. Yeah. And Which you didn't know was a passion until a few years know. ago. Yeah. Yep. No idea. So that's kind of cool. But what I'm trying to say is I try to use those areas of my life and the things that I get to do as my ministry. Right. So learning how to, whatever it is that I'm doing, to be able to glorify him and pursue him with everything that I am. That's good. That's what I continue to learn or strive to learn. Okay, so one last question. Yes. Which I ask most of my guests because I always forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have one special for like your favorite guest? Because I have to be your favorite guest. You are my favorite, but I still but, want to hear I mean, what your answer is to this normal question. I mean, there's, I mean, there's not really a choice. You, I mean, say. you are my favorite. You have to say it, even though if you might be thinking about somebody else. I mean, there's an eye roll behind that, I but know, you are my sure. favorite. <laughs> we, should get, we should probably get some video next time. I, I know. If you they get, catch her. got to get Brandon over here. Facial expressions. Um, what phrase would you pick or a word would you put on your mirror to see every day? It is one I think it's been used a lot and I use it a lot when I working with the students that I work with on mm-hmm. a daily basis. Uh, and I don't know the exact phrase, but it go it will go some, somewhere along the lines of it doesn't matter how many times you fall, it matters how many times you get back up and yeah. continue to push forward. That's, That's a long kind one. of been the well, I, I'll probably abbreviate that. Keep pushing. Or like if you fall <laughs> if you fall six times, get up seven. Yeah, I like that. Something like that. Because, you know, sometimes we're afraid to mm-hmm. fail or to fall. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Wow. As long as you get up and keep going. That's good. Thanks for sharing your story. Mm, my Not pleasure. that I, you know, haven't heard it before. Yeah, but I thought the world needed to hear it. I hope the world gets to hear it. That would be fun. It's pretty cool because, like you said, you went through a lot of adversity. And even, like, teenagers like hearing your story need to hear how you gave things up how you wanted to belong that that Mm -hmm. is a truth that's never gonna die teenagers want to belong yeah we all want to belong when you're a teenager it's it's pretty important to you so i think that this story i think a lot of a lot of different ages are going to be able to relate to it you know from teens to our age yeah it's been a pleasure Yeah. They get to stare up a pretty nice face this whole time, so it's nice. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean a lot to me. If you would like, comment, share, or subscribe, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Kylie Jo Silva. Also, please send me people who you think should share their story with the world. Thanks for tuning in.